Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Happy Father's Day. Uh, I want to start by saying I realize everyone is at a different place when it comes to celebrating Father's Day. Uh, Maybe you've experienced a fair amount of joy and gratitude because of the years you've spent with your father. Uh, Maybe for you, uh, there's been a fair amount of pain, either because of the loss of a father or because there was a lot more ambivalence in that relationship or a lot more uh, difficulty or heartache. And so I want to talk specifically to dads today, because I believe that increasingly we live in a society where dads struggle. Uh, We may be physically present, uh, but we're often wrestling with being there. Uh, We're often preoccupied. Uh, We get distracted. We have things on our mind. Uh, We withdraw into an emotional cave. Uh, We have a hard time paying attention. Uh, We walk through the door, but sometimes we're just not home. Uh, We're really not home. There was an article in the Boston Globe. I'm not making this up. It's quoted by uh, Dave Barry in in a book of his. A father in Massachusetts had his two children with him, and he was loading them into the car. Uh, he did give him credit, remember to strap his uh, 20-month-old daughter into the car, but the amount of concentration required for a guy to remember this type of childcare detail can put a lot of strain on his mental equipment. So he went into acute guy memory lapse and forgot that he had placed the car seat containing his three-month-old son on the roof of the car. As he accelerated onto Interstate 290, he sensed that something was wrong when, according to the Globe, he heard a scraping sound on the roof of his car. And this is classical uh, guy behavior, Barry notes. Uh, He doesn't notice that he only has 50% of his total children inside the car with him, but he does notice that his car is making a funny noise. Uh, Anyway, the car is going 50 miles per hour when the car seat containing the three-month-old sailed off the roof and landed on Interstate 290, where the seat skidded safely to a stop with the boy unhurt. Uh, So this story has a happy ending, except, of course, that this particular guy had to tell his wife what happened. I bet she rolled her eyes into the next state. And as a clincher... Uh, Do you want to guess what day this event happened on? It was Mother's Day. Uh, Guys often wrestle with, even if they're physically present, actually being there, uh, doing something more than just showing up. Now, very often, very different messages get sent to mothers than get sent to fathers. Uh, Often in our society, in books that are written and messages that are given, mothers get a lot of sympathy. Uh, they get commiserated with. Uh, The basic message that goes to mothers is that motherhood is an overwhelming 
task. And so it's no wonder you feel swamped and stressed and overwhelmed. You just need to ease up on yourself, lower the expectations, accept reality. It's an impossible job. Very often, that's the kind of message uh, that mothers get. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for messages like that. I think they're good. But very often, dads tend to get preached at on Father's Day and in books and so on. You should be doing more. Uh, Your priorities should be different. Uh, They're all wrong. You ought to be more like moms, those kinds of messages. Dads tend not to get a whole lot of sympathy. I want to give you a few interesting statistics. The average American father typically is equally as or slightly more free at expressing verbal affection as the average American mom. Uh, The average American husband actually spends slightly more time doing domestic chores, if you include yard work and auto maintenance, uh, slightly more time doing domestic chores than the average American wife who works an equal number of hours outside the home. The American father, on average, gives non-disciplinary physical touch to young children more times a day than the average American mom. Uh, Those are some pretty interesting statistics. Uh, Unfortunately, I just made them up. (laughs) I did, uh, but they're pretty interesting. Uh, I believe that never before has there been a day or a culture in which fathers have faced greater obstacles than in our day. I believe that it has never been harder to be a good father than it is now. And I think you can just look around at our culture and see evidence of this all over the place. And the crisis is not just that there's an absence of fathers, although there is. There is in our culture an absence of our belief in the importance of uh, and nature of fatherhood. And so I want to talk this morning about a few myths that I believe are prevalent in our culture, uh, a few myths about fatherhood that keep fathers from uh, being fully home, and then after that, talk for just a couple moments about things that fathers can do to be successful fathers. So a few myths about fatherhood in our day. And the first one is this. Fathers are optional relationships. The first myth about fatherhood is the myth that fathers are optional relationships. And I want to say very clearly that God's plan is not that fathers are optional. Fathers are as non-optional as mothers. Uh, Now, I want to pause, having said this, and say something very, very clear today. Uh, I just want to take a moment to recognize the fact that there are many uh, single parents, particularly single moms, and they face a monumental task. And Father's Day can often be a painful day for people in this position because life is difficult enough. And when they hear a talk about how indispensable fathers are, it can make it that much more difficult or even demotivating. And so I thought it would be appropriate to just take a moment to stop and recognize you if you're seeking to raise and to nurture and to support a family as a single parent in a a God-honoring way. Uh, You face a Herculean task and your perseverance and your faithfulness and your uh, determination in the face of overwhelming obstacles is an inspiration to me and to our church And it's an honorable thing in the sight of God. And you need to know that you are a hero. 
And it just makes it that much more important for me to recognize about fathers that fatherhood is not about being an optional relationship. A well-known celebrity who decided to become a parent without having a father in the family said, men are pinch hitters. What's the big deal? In other words, the father is just a pinch hitter, you know, just to be there when the mom, who is the regular player, is unavailable. You see, this kind of thing is popular in our society. If you're a dad, I want you to think about something for a moment. Uh, can, you, can you think of a time in your child's life when they preferred mom? Uh, all of my children have gone through a stage when they preferred mom. Uh, there are actually times when I would rather be with my children's mom than my own self. Uh, often I can be discouraging to fathers or lead them to underestimate the important role they play in the life of their children. And very often it's a, it's a time-limited thing. It's a function of the way time gets spent. It's a phase that children pass through. And I just want to take a moment to say to you, if you're a dad, you are an indispensable uh, aspect of your child's life uh, because God planned it this way. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible from the book of Ephesians, a letter Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And there's a statement there that addressed, it's addressed to fathers. This is what Paul writes. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In other words, Paul's assumption is that fathers are intimately involved by necessity in the raising of children. So that when he talks about the process of shaping a child's life, uh, he's naturally addressing fathers in this. In our culture, fathers often think of themselves as spectators in child raising, uh, but it hasn't, it hasn't always been the case. Uh, 200 years ago, when child raising manuals were written, generally they were addressed to fathers. 200 years ago, in American society, if a couple went through a divorce, custody of the children almost always went to the father because there was an assumption that dads were intimately involved in raising their children. They were involved in passing along life skills that would enable their children to live and function outside the home. They were involved in preparing uh, for marriage and very often in the selection of a life partner. Uh, they were involved in the, the moral and religious education of their children. If you're a father, you bring unique gifts to the life of your child. God did not make you to be a pinch hitter. You are not an optional relationship. All right, the second myth that I believe is widespread in our culture is this. The workplace has changed to meet the needs of the new father. The myth is the workplace has changed to make fathering easy. The workplace has become more father-friendly. It's changed to meet the needs of the new father. Now, the dads I talk to are very aware of inflated expectations for fathers in our day. Uh, in the older generations alive today, the only thing that tended to get talked about was that the father was uh, to provide materially for his children. But today, I mean, the bar has been raised. Uh, dads are supposed to be as successful as ever, but they're supposed to be skilled now verbally uh, in intimacy with their marriage. You know, they're supposed to be 
uh, psychologically informed about the stages that their children will go through. Uh, they're supposed to be uh, developmentally appropriate uh, nurtures just as the mothers are. Uh, I mean, the bar just keeps getting raised and raised and raised. And the myth is that the workplace has adjusted itself to kind of cut some slack to dads so that they can be well-rounded fathers. But the truth is, we still live in a world where a man's self-esteem will largely be boosted by career advancement. We still live in a world where it's primarily achievement and promotion, job fulfillment, and so on that gets rewarded in men in our culture, not what kind of father he is. Fathers don't very often make the headlines for success in our day. So to any man who says he's going to invest himself in the task of fathering, you just need to know that you're going to have to swim against the tide on this one. The implicit cultural view is that becoming a mother will totally change a woman's life. But that fathering is something that a man can do kind of on the side in his spare time, and it should not be allowed to impede his drive for success. If you're going to be a dad in our society, given the way reinforcement structures work in our society, you need to see fatherhood for what it is. I mean, it's a costly deal. There's just no way around it. But it's also a heroic and noble endeavor. It's a call for the very, the very best that you have to give. It's not a hobby. It's not, the, it's not something that you do on the side. It will call for your very best intelligence and for your finest judgment and for your heart. It'll require very tough decisions of a man to say, I will devote time and energy to what is valuable over what will bring external rewards. You need to see fatherhood for what it is. The workplace has not changed to produce automatically good dads. All right, the third myth. First one is fathers are optional relationships. Second one is work, the workplace has changed to make fatherhood uh, easy. The third myth is I will receive regular feedback on how I'm doing as a father. Uh, this is a difficult one because most men in our culture tend to be feedback junkies. I mean, we grew up in a kind of performance-based world where we can measure how we're doing based on our win-loss record in sports or our a GPA in school or when we get into our jobs, our profit and loss margins. I mean, those statements just become part of our daily world. Uh, we like hard, objective numbers that will tell us where we are in the standings. We get satisfaction from things like, uh, like concrete uh, and measurable uh, statistics. But in the fatherhood game, the data is very messy. We'd be more comfortable if the fatherhood game could be scored and be made into kind of a competitive sport. You know, I'm in, I'm in third place now, but two more fishing trips and I should qualify for fatherhood playoffs, you know, something like that. Now, when you become a father, you make an investment and you may not see the payoff, uh, the return on that investment for many years. You may never see it. It requires the patience to keep on playing without knowing the score. And that's very counterintuitive for most of us. It means that very often you'll go through long stretches of time where you don't really know how well you're doing. Uh, you don't get immediate feedback. That's just the way the fatherhood game works. 
All right, so these are just a few of the myths that we face as fathers. I wanna spend the rest of the time talking about some things we can do to win at the fatherhood game. How do we become fully present? We'll talk about that in just a moment. The myths of fatherhood or any season of life can be hard to overcome. They become powerful forces shaping your thoughts, the decisions you make, your very patterns of life. Over time, they simply become ingrained and unnoticed. This is why Paul, writing to the church in Rome, encouraged them and us to not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, he says, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you long to be the father you know God wants you to be, or break the painful generational patterns of your family, or be free from the belief that you'll never measure up to someone's standards. Whatever it is you believe keeps you locked in a pattern or place, let go of the myths that tell you this is how it is by renewing your mind in Jesus. Your mind plays a massive role in living a Christ-centered life. And the transformation of your thoughts and beliefs comes as you embrace the truths about God and his truth about you. That's where you find God's perfect purpose. Let's rejoin Matt and look at some transformational ways to overcome these fatherhood myths. All right, let's talk about some things we can do to win at the fatherhood game. And hopefully this will be helpful for you, a father or not, if you wanna be fully present to the people you love. But this is especially for dads. The first thing is this. If you wanna win at the fatherhood game, the first thing is learn to love the journey. Learn to love the process of being a father. Uh, this is difficult because many of us tend to be outcome-oriented versus uh, process-oriented. That is, we tend to focus on objectives and goals and end results, and our attention is on the destination. And if you're an outcome-oriented person, then your goal is to minimize the process, and you wanna produce the required results with the least expenditure of time and energy. But childhood doesn't work that way. Childhood is, childhood is about the journey. The journey is the gift. Uh, so that, for instance, when it's bedtime, often in my mind, I'll think if one of my kids hands me a book to read to them, I'll think, OK, how many pages are there and how many words per page and how can I read through this as quickly as possible? And maybe I can summarize bits of it so that I can kind of skip a few pages. A child doesn't work that way. It doesn't think that way. And so my challenge is instead for however long or short, short the time may be, and it may not really be that long, just to be fully there. And to think about this now as a kind of uh, gift, uh, a, a, like to build a bridge, to learn about my child, to disclose my heart. Learn to love the journey. Now, a real practical thing that this means for fathers is don't fall into the habit, and this can often happen, of habitually deferring to the mother. Don't fall into the habit of deferring to the mother. 
Very often around the house, ask your mom becomes kind of a standard phrase. It's the default mode of dealing with eating habits or clothing styles or screen time or sleep patterns or so on. So today, I want you to have a sense of uh, fatherhood empowerment. Uh, just for a moment, fathers, uh, I just wanna empower you right now. I'm gonna say a few statements and I'm gonna ask the fathers to repeat them with a sense of power. And moms, if you're in the room, just kind of butt out for this minute, you know, just uh, because this is for dads. Uh, dads, you may want to clench your fist or something that will give you a sense of power as you say these. All right, so here's the first one. I can decide what's for snack. <laughs> say it with power. Uh, you can do it. You really can. I know it's silly, but you can do this. Uh, you really can decide what what's for snack. All right, here's the second one. It's about power for fathers now. Fathers having a whole new realm of empowerment. I have a say about bedtime. You have that power, dads. You can decide what the bedtime routine for your children is going to be. All right, here's the third one. WWE Friday Night Smackdown is developmentally appropriate. <laughs> All right, you don't have to say that one. You see, the truth is that the ability to make wise choices about a child's life is not a magical thing. It's not a result of some kind of mysterious maternal instinct, nor is it the product of some kind of inside track to power that goes to one that uh, gets to make all the decisions. It's based on knowing your child. That's simply it. It's simply based on knowing your child. And so part of the task of being a father is to think about fatherhood as something that you learn how to do over time. A fathering is something that you learn how to do over time. Uh, you know, biological fatherhood may happen in an instant, but real fathering, fathering the way God himself fathers, is something you learn by doing. And the more you practice it, the more skilled you will become at it and the more joy you'll actually receive in it. And dads tend to, tend to under, understand this kind of thing. And so you need to think about fatherhood in this category. It's something that you can learn to get better and better at as you practice it, uh, just for its own sake. Another thing that goes along with this is coming to understand your unique gifts as a father. First thing to do is learn to love the journey. Second, understand the unique gifts that you have to offer as a father because you have something to offer your child that's irreplaceable. God has put you where you are and it's not by accident. And very often, what you have to offer will differ from what a mother has to offer. Uh, now, this is not universally true and I'm not suggesting that this stuff is all uh, biologically based, but very often, the kinds of gifts that a father will bring will be different from the kinds of gifts that a mother will bring. For instance, both moms and dads tend to think about a part of their task as protecting their children, but they look differently at protection. Uh, moms tend to think about protecting, pr protecting their children in terms of like safeguarding their children. So for instance, a, a mom will say, if she sees her children playing with sticks with other kids, you know, put down the sticks, don't play with sticks, because if you play with sticks, you'll probably poke an eye out. Mothers are always concerned with eye removal when it comes to sticks. Uh, never a lost tooth, never a broken jaw, always eye removal. Uh, although it's a fairly rare thing, 
Like I'm 48 years old. I've never met a person who only had one eye and ask him, how did you lose your eye? And have them say, well, I was playing with sticks, you know, and you know the story, you know how it goes. But mothers are always concerned. Number one reason you should avoid playing with sticks is eye removal. Fathers, on the other hand, understand that playing with sticks is often critical developmental uh, task and that their job is to teach their children the one right way to play with sticks so that if someone's eye gets poked out, it won't be yours. Uh, Dads tend to think about protection, not so much as safeguarding, uh, but in terms of preparation. They're invested in protecting their children, but they'll think about, again, not universally, but very often in terms of uh, preparation. And so for them, protection will often involve things like challenging or stretching their children. The point of all this is simply to say, whoever you are, you are a non-optional relationship. You have something to offer your child based on who you are that your child won't get uh, if you don't give it, if you don't give your unique gifts to your child. And then third and the final thing I'll mention today, and I don't know how to highlight this one enough, open your heart to your child. If you're a dad, don't keep your heart a secret. Find ways to value your child and make sure that your child feels loved because every child hungers to know his or her place in their father's heart. And that hunger never goes away, it never does. Deep inside every human being, there is a hunger to know about the place in the heart of your father. Maybe you know that place and it brings great gratitude and joy. Maybe you've never been given that gift and maybe you never will. And there's an ache inside of you to be loved like that. And so I just wanna say to you, if you're a dad, open your heart. I wanna encourage you to do it even though it might feel awkward because the magic in something like that is not that you do it with eloquence or smoothly. It's that you address a hunger that goes about as deep as any hunger can go inside the human spirit. And you need to know if you're a father and you have a child in this world, it's not too late. Fathers tend to underestimate the role they play in the hearts of their children. And if you're a dad, you're likely to think that your child, especially if your child is grown up or your child has friends and activities or full life, that you're someplace on the margin in your child's life. And if nothing else, you need to understand this, that for better or for worse, by your presence or by your absence, you stand at the heart of your child's world. And if your child is still in this world, it's not too late to let them know. And if you're a child and your dad is around, then I just wanna encourage you not to wait to express your love to your father. Now, your dad may be flawed, and it may be that there are other things that need to get expressed by way of like honesty or confession or forgiveness, or maybe there needs to be a period of time or something before that happens. But I wanna encourage you to think about the possibility if you're a child that it's time today, that you need to take some time today in some way or another to open up your heart to your father. Most of all, I wanna express a fundamental truth that the writers of scripture teach. And you need to hear this truth whoever your dad may be or may have been, there is a God in heaven 
and he is so filled with love and tenderness toward you that Jesus teaches us to call him Abba, which is the word that means something like daddy. And one day, the door will open between all of his children and the heavenly father, and then there will be no more separation. And then all of God's children will know the strength of arms that do not fail, and they will be home with their father. All right, let me pray, and then Michaela and the team will lead us in a closing song. God, I just wanna thank you for our dads, and for those of us who have great joy and um, a sense of you know life and fulfillment in our relationship with our dad, I pray that you would give us opportunities today to express that to our dads. Uh, for those of us who are maybe struggling in our relationship with our dad, I pray that you would open the door for us to reconcile, to uh, speak truth, to express and receive forgiveness if that's what it takes to, uh, to restore that relationship. Uh, God, would you, by your spirit, move us in those directions? And God, I pray that for those of us who are dads, that you would help us uh, to be the dads that you want us to be, to invest in our children, to help raise them to be the godly young men and women that you want them to be. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. And uh, we hope to see you on Sunday soon.